Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the official podcast of teaching aliens about Christmas, apparently. Last summer, we decked the halls with wacky walls, and today we're going on a domesticated goose chase back to 1977 for a close encounter with a cosmic Christmas. I am Excitable Mayor, shouting at everyone else to remain calm, Mike Westfall. And joining me is the Internet's foremost expert on this special and the man behind NameThatChristmasSpecial.com. Please welcome Jeff Fox. Hey, Jeff. Hello. Good to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so happy to have you on. You were actually requested to be on this episode by Joanna Wilson. She, oh. she oh. I got a DM on Twitter <laughs> months ago. Mm-hmm. asking me, please get Jeff in your podcast to talk about A Cosmic Christmas. She and I have talked about this special quite a bit, and uh, she probably got tired of hearing me talk about it, so she's now pawned me off on you. So that makes sense. <laughs> this is a first for the show. Uh, I think it was October, so this, is, this has been a while coming, but wish granted. Yeah. And Joanna, of <laughs> course, you realize you're next. So we'll see. I definitely say you have to, for sure. She's got lots to say and lots of good stuff. Oh, yeah. I have some ideas. So I don't have much of a history with this one. I didn't know it existed until well into my 20s when I found a copy of it on Google Videos, which was Google trying to make its own YouTube before deciding, you know what, let's just buy YouTube. (laughs) But I'm interested to hear your story. Do you remember discovering A Cosmic Christmas or was this always in your life? Well, the answer is both. Um, oh, it's I remember it coming out initially, and I think that's that's I think where I come with the the good background to it because I was there in 1977, and it was a big deal when it came out. Um, there's a lot of reasons this ties into my personal history and things that I enjoy about it, and so I'll tell you some of them along the way, and I've got lots of great uh, stories along the way, hopefully that are interesting, and if not, you can edit them out. It's all good. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's one of the first things I remember seeing. It's 1977. I was seven at the time. Okay. And uh, it was a big deal. It was something that um, it was being produced in Canada for a Canadian audience. It was yeah, it was the first time I was aware of like TV Guide and uh, news stations talking about this thing coming. So that's why I was actually curious to see your take on it. And I enjoyed listening to Joanna's as well because – I think of it as a little cute backyard, you know, something that was from my hometown kind of thing. And uh, to hear of other people now falling in love with it, I'm like, that's awesome. That's incredible. But wow, yes, okay. no, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> there from the beginning. Yeah, that's Front row seats. <laughs> was not expecting that, but that that's incredible. But it, it's, uh, it, it's kind of funny, but it, it makes it really personal to me. It oh, makes sure. it something that I've remembered. Like it's the first Christmas special I remember. Okay. It's the first one I fell in love with. And having watched it probably 50 times over the years, I'm going to bore you with facts if if you're interested. No, if please I don't, bore you know, me with facts. Um, but it's the sort of thing that having watched it so many times, I still get something new out of it every time. And that, wow. you know, people say that, but it's honestly half an hour I was skimming through it. And I realized that Peter and his family all have four fingers and the rest of the townspeople all have three fingers. And the aliens in some scenes have four fingers and in some scenes have three fingers. Oh, my goodness. 
that's way more detail <laughs> than I put into watching this, but I love it. I have no expectations of anybody to go toe-to-toe with uh, a Cosmic Christmas trivia with me. Um, you've seen the books on Instagram that I prepped for yes. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, most of them I was aware of or certainly had read before, but uh, I made sure several weeks to go, weeks ago to go back through them all so that I could hopefully forget some of it by now so I wouldn't be obnoxious and just <laughs> talking about this. Uh, hopefully I'll remember the, the good stories, but uh, yeah, it's something that uh, I really enjoy. So this is exciting for me. Well, that's why you're here. Um, yeah, I remember it, watching this on Google video. The way I got to that was because by way of the Star Wars holiday special, uh, particularly course. the what are they called? What are they branding it? The uh, the story of the brave Wookiee or something. And wrong. The animated segment that's now on Disney Plus which is a miracle upon itself. But yeah, actually I've, I've, I love the history of Nelvana too, which is a, the company that made it. And yeah. George Lucas then called on to, to make the star Wars one as well. Um, they were a bunch of nutcases in a good way. Like they were all artistic <laughs> crazies. They actually, um, two of the guys did um, animations for the first season of Sesame street. They did uh, the claymation letters or three of them. Oh, wow. Uh, They've done a whole lot of really cool stuff, and they built this company, just the three of them, well, they just the three of them started, into this massive global brand, which is pretty cool. But this is the first thing, first major thing that they did. Yes, so a uh, quick background for those of you who didn't bother looking up the quick background. A Cosmic Christmas debuted December 4th, 1977 on the CBC. Uh, and it is the first fully animated production by Nelvana. And if that name sounds familiar, I mentioned the Star Wars holiday special animated segment. But they went on to do other probably bigger name things like Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats and the Get Along Gang and My Pet Monsters cartoon. The Beetlejuice cartoon was a big one for me. Care Bears was huge, too. Inspector Gadget. A whole bunch of them. Yep. Uh, they, so they started out with... Um, these four, they, well, this, they started with this one, actually. Um, apparently, I'm going to just ramble. Here we go. So Go for <laughs> it. With. Please. Uh, started doing this one, and they actually they got the money from the CBC to create this one, and then they needed more money to develop further. And so they went out to Viacom, and they got, you know, they syndicated it in the U.S. And actually, the uh, Viacom people wanted them to make a series out of it. They wanted to make a series out of the three aliens. Oh, wow. And they said no, and they wow. went ahead and made five specials instead. They also, uh, one of the cute stories that I came across was uh, not only did Viacom want the series out of it, but one of the pitch meetings they wanted, um, they didn't think it was, uh, they didn't know the characters enough. They didn't think they could sell the characters enough. So they, they pitched an ending where the three aliens had a shootout with Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> so thank god they went with the artistic method oh, so their, their their vision they, they kept true to their vision and uh, did not go with that <laughs> thank goodness why yes thank goodness i can't me, even imagine that it's yeah it don't don't it's I'd just not ra- good yeah no <laughs> well save the shooting for star wars Exactly. But so they they did this one special and they did, I think, four more specials right in a row and uh, they did really well. And then they went on to do this movie called Rock and Roll, which I was talking to Joanna about. I don't know if uh, you've heard of Rock and Roll. It's it's a cult status. 
I've heard of it. I've seen clips of it. I haven't watched the whole thing, but it's entertaining in its own way. But essentially, that kind of made them put the brakes on because they learned a lot of lessons from it. Oh, we'll put it that way. And well, and right. from there, they moved into more of a workhouse kind of job. But it, they were hugely successful, and uh, it's uh, it's quite the journey, I'm sure. But wow. interesting stuff to read. I, I could I could do more stories, but we've got lots of ground to cover. So. If you ever want to look it up, Melvin's got a great history. Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes. I know that I found a few websites that kind of dive into a little bit of it. And then it starts with this and then it goes on to it. Catch the eye of George Lucas and who contracted him for the Star Wars stuff. They would go on to produce droids and Ewoks. So if you've watched any of those recently, now that they're on Disney Plus, the look and feel of this first special is very, very similar, but more mm-hmm. wintry and slightly less spacey. Slightly. <laughs> and this starts very Star Wars like we just see the window of a spaceship preparing to land on Earth on December 24th. And then we zoom in closely to our little blue planet and a very crowded small town abuzz with the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. And the first thing we see in this town is a cash register going cha-ching and everyone's just yelling loudly at each other. So it's going to be one of these specials that starts with, look at all these greedy people. (laughs) Very true. Very true. So walking through this crowd. Hey, remember crowds? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas crowd, no less. We're getting close. (laughs) Walking through this crowd is a young boy with a grin on his face because he's only paying attention to the joyful parts of Christmas time in the city. This boy's name is Peter. Look, everybody. Look at the light in the sky. I saw it move. Voiced by Joey Davidson. And as we meet our cast, there was only a couple of names I knew immediately. Joey Davidson was not one of them. <laughs> Do you know him from anything else? No. Oh, okay. not at all. Um, there's there's a handful that, or sorry, there's two or three that, will come up that yes. might have. A, oh, yes. A, yeah. Not a surprising number that don't. Yeah. This is one. I did some digging that I usually do for this podcast, but I did find mm-hmm. that Joey Davidson was the title character of a TV Ontario show called the adventures of Timothy Pilgrim. I don't know what that is, but neither do I. Okay. <laughs> it's apparently about an orphan from the 1970s who switches times with a traveling tonic salesman from the 1870s. And it sounds really neat, but that's all I know about it. Never heard of it. Nope. That's okay. But TVO, (laughs) did you say? Yeah. Did you say? Yeah. Okay, then I should have, but I haven't. (laughs) Well, that's how popular it was. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm sure it's everywhere on YouTube now. Right. (laughs) Not that I could find. No, I'm just a blip on IMDb, but maybe. Yeah. They don't have the same audiences. They don't have the same. Um, it's a lot harder to uh, find a lot of that stuff because there's not tens of thousands of people that remember it. There's seven okay. guys and you know a VHS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Peter has a pet goose named Lucy, and unfortunately, I don't have a credit for Lucy's honking throughout this special. <laughs> Next couple of minutes mostly serve to introduce us to other characters, starting with the very loud mayor shouting "Merry Christmas" and "Tell your parents." To vote for Honest John Bimbley. Merry Christmas, Mr. Mayor. And the same to you, young man. Don't forget to tell your folks to vote for Honest John Bimbley. Life will be happy, this I quote, if you give Honest John Bimbley your vote. Yes. 
Uh, so here's a name I recognize. It's Chris Wiggins, best known to me as the voice of No Heart from the Care Bears. Okay, I was going to say best known to me as the uh, the old guy from Friday the Thirteenth the series. Okay, yep. Uh, also, uh, he did. Uh, there's a Canadian version of um, uh, Swiss Family Robinson. Oh, really? And he actually plays Santa in Easter Fever, which is one of the following uh, Nelvana specials. Okay. But he's one of those Canadian actors that you see in everything. And you you hear the voice and you're like, I know that, but I have no idea from where. Oh, okay. Some other highlights I picked out. He was the first voice of Marvel's Thor in the 60s. Wow. Uh, he was the son in Strawberry Shortcake. And, <laughs> and he's still a Nelvana regular. He's still the voice of Babar's royal advisor, Cornelius. Wow. Okay. So, I guess once you're in there, you're in for good. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, next, we meet Santa Joe, a bell ringing charity collector with a poorly hidden pillow stuffed in his red Santa suit. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, help the unfortunate. How's it going, Santa Joe? Not so fine, Peter. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I noticed it right away this time, too. <laughs> Santa Joe is played by Martin Lavutte which is a name I recognized from some other Nelvana specials and movies, including The Devil and Daniel Mouse and Rock and Roll. He showed up there. He was a voice in heavy metal. Ah, yes. Okay. Uh, he also directed a bunch of episodes of Friday the 13th, the series, and Fraggle Rock. Ah, there you go. Versatile people. Yeah. He also does. Uh, he also plays the, the father, and he also plays Plutox. Correct. The alien. Mm -hmm. Very versatile. But here he's Santa Joe ringing his bell. Help the unfortunate. <laughs> Only to be met and mocked by a group of punk teenagers who reply, we are the unfortunate. Hey, what do you want about? Help the unfortunate. Hey, man, what do you mean help the unfortunate? We are the unfortunate. Yeah, right on. <laughs> Bad uh, teenager impressions. Awesome. Yeah. This special's quick to let us know these kids don't care about anybody else. Look at them run in the traffic and make a car screech to a halt. Hmm. It's three guys and a girl. I like the design of the girl the best because she's wearing a jacket with what looks like a white wool hood over her head that makes her look like she's got a golden girl wig. <laughs> yeah, they're it's a colorful bunch. That's yeah. for sure. She reminds me of a nicely from Witch's Night Out and the Gift of Winter, yep. but this would be her yep. evil twin, maybe. <laughs> Excellent. We don't learn any of their names save for their leader, Marvin, who is voiced by Greg Rogers in his first TV acting role. And if you watched the series Arrow, he was the corrupt Councilman Cullens from that. Wow. Still working. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quite a few Hallmark Christmas movies to his credits. Hallmark's not really in my wheelhouse, but uh, when I see things like the Christmas calendar and Cranberry <laughs> Christmas, I know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> this is his first role. Excellent. He does very well. Yes, he does. <laughs> he, and he gets to wear disco pants. I love the disco pants with the stars on them. Oh, they're so great. <laughs> There's like no foot. There's no shoe. It's just. No, it's just they kind of blend in. <laughs> It's the little things. Yeah. We'll catch up with these kids later. For now, back to Peter, who stops to admire a nativity scene of the store window 
when the star above the manger begins to glow, but wait a second, it's not the star glowing, it's a reflection of something in the sky. It's it's a light like a star, but it's moving. And only Peter notices it. He's trying to tell everybody else, but no one's listening to the kid, uh, including the town's police chief. Excuse me, I just saw a spaceship up there. Mm, or Up there in the sky. Can't you see it? Cute. Very cute. A light in the sky. Chief Snurk, his name is. He's voiced by Marvin Goldhar, and there's a name I know. Are you familiar with anything Marvin Goldhar has done? I actually looked it up. I had to look it up because I wouldn't have known, but Cedric Sneer in the raccoons. Mm -hmm. Not the original voice, but uh, in the TV series, when they got their actual show started, he's the voice of Cedric. Still counts. He was also Mr. Weatherby in the new Archies. Ah, okay. There we go. Um, bunch of voices on the cartoon Cops and Bronto Thunder from Dino Saucers. Wow. Haven't thought about Dino Saucers in forever. There's a Christmas episode of that one, though. Is there? Yep. Oh, <laughs> oh that's going on the list now. There you, oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> Here he's the chief of police who clearly doesn't want to be working on Christmas Eve writing parking tickets at meters, which first time I watched this again, I thought, why is the chief the meter maid? Mm. And then we later find out he gave everybody else the night off. How very sweet of him. That's very, yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Good, good chief. A little too much Brill Cream, but good guy. Yeah, well, Peter's trying to show him this light in the sky that Peter is now sure is a spaceship. But the spaceship conveniently moves behind another star-shaped decoration hanging over the road. No one's listening to Peter until Marvin and his pals tease him about it, which somehow turns into one of those classic cartoon skirmishes where all you see is a cloud of dust. (laughs) Just a big ball of violence made up of Marvin's gang and Lucy the Goose, who bites Marvin on the nose before Peter pulls her out of there and runs away, and Marvin makes this really angry grimace face as he watches them leave. I love that face. It's a great close-up. He is so mad they got away. But if, in fairness, any Canadian will tell you, Canadian geese are generally awful. Are they? Uh, they, they are foul-tempered creatures. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Do not get close to one. Noted. There you go. But Peter and Lucy walk through the snow now to a song called Why Can't They Look to the Stars, performed by Sylvia Tyson. People around me, eyes to the ground, oh, why can't they look to the sky, the sky? They don't even see me, or like what they do see, why can't they look to the sky? And Jeff, I... I don't know who she is. She is a massive piece of history up here and present. <laughs> she isn't done. Uh, she is in the uh, Canadian Music Hall of Fame, Country Music that. Hall of Fame, Songwriters Hall of Fame. She has the Order of Canada. She has uh, some of the great uh, songs that we have heard. Uh, Four Strong Winds she does with uh, Ian and Sylvia. I'm guessing it doesn't get a lot of play where you are, but she is quite famous up here. And in fact, actually, I have a cute little Sylvia Tyson story. Do it. You've probably seen online, I have the uh, Cosmic Christmas record. Yes. 
which I found in 2015. I found it thrifting. I had no idea it existed, and I just happened to see it. And, and when I did, I immediately freaked out and took that football pose where you got it under your arm and you're not leaving the store until you get it. <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, so as far as I knew, it was the only copy that I'd ever seen. And I looked online, and there was no other copies to be found. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. And Turns out I went to a Sylvia Tyson concert. She still tours with a supergroup called Quartet. Okay. She, uh, they travel around Southern Ontario every Christmas doing a Christmas concert. If anybody's listening gets the chance, it's awesome. Um, but I debated for the longest time, should I take this album and get her to sign it? And I thought, well, it was the only copy. It was literally the only copy I'd ever seen and the only copy online. So I thought I eventually decided not to take it to get it signed because I didn't think it should be uh, uh, written on. Fair. I have okay. since. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I didn't take it. Uh, she will hopefully tour again. And fingers crossed I will get the chance again. I'd love to see what she has to say about it. But uh, I've since found five copies oh, wow. total. Wow. I've bought them all. <laughs> good my my favorite story from that being uh finding it in a small uh record store somewhere in toronto and uh kind of talking with the owner about it and she she's sitting there telling us all this backstory of it and uh it turns out she's got discogs on the computer in front of her and i said yeah no i know i wrote that <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was the only copy i've ever seen and there's since about 20 copies out there that i've seen listed i haven't actually checked recently but there's more copies out there now. People have kind of come to uh, tell people about it, I guess, or now that they've seen it. But uh, it still pops up as articles every once in a while that somebody's mentioning it here and there. And I always check, and it's usually my scans. So <laughs> <laughs> it is obviously not a top seller. It's obviously not a popular album, but. I found five, so let's keep going. Yeah, sure. I, well, I'm glad they all went to a good home. Well, I, I uh, yeah, I, I only have two currently because, uh, you know. They went to other good homes. <laughs> exactly. As I find other people who are in. Actually, I offered you one, if you remember. You did. And unfortunately, I don't own a record player, so I declined. But quite all right. It, it went to Craig from Weird Christmas. And I, oh, perfect. I quite enjoyed it. So there you go. So it all works out. If you ever want another one, I'll find another one. Well, you. thank you. I'm glad Craig got it. That That's a treat. Um, exactly. It's nice to find other people that enjoy the show, the movie, the, the record, whatever. Absolutely. So it's, it's great. Uh, yeah. But I really like this song, though. Oh, good. She sings another one later, and I definitely need to add them to my Christmas playlist now. You can actually download them from my website, too. I've, I've ripped them out of the uh, the album. All right. All right. That'll be in the show notes as well, folks. There you go. Treat yourself. <laughs> exactly i actually while i was listening to it again i uh i thought of you in that it was uh, it was giving me real parallel between this and the rainbow connection oh wow which yeah might be a stretch but essentially we're, we're looking at peter as the optimist right he's yeah. the optimist in the cynics world mm -hmm. and what he's doing is saying uh why aren't there more like me can't they see what i see and that immediately made me think of um, so we've been told we choose, some choose to believe it. I know the wrong way and see kind of, it's a connection between you've got underdogs who are looking at the world uh, optimistically and, uh, they're, they're looking for other people like them. So I'm, that's the connection I made. That's perfect. No, I, I absolutely am following you there. I like that a lot. Awesome. Uh, 
Maybe yeah. that's why this resonated with me so much. I, I found it really good in its own merit without having it be pegged as a Christmas song. It's not, hmm. but it works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as the song ends, Peter and Lucy see the light in the sky again, and it suddenly it's a lot closer and a lot brighter, causing him to trip and tumble down a hill. They don't do the old giant snowball rolling down the hill thing here, though. Missed opportunity. <laughs> there you go. Extended version. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There's a cut somewhere. Uh, The spaceship lands. And this is the coolest scene. No wonder this got George Lucas's attention. This Mm -hmm. style was perfect for early Star Wars. So the spaceship starts out disc shaped and then reveals itself to be a sphere that briefly glows before becoming just a giant black ball out in the middle of a snowy wilderness here before door opens in the shape of sort of a rounded pentagon. And the door sort of folds into stairs mm. and we get this deep Hammond organ music with it. I really love this entrance. I was captivated by the gift that you presented earlier today, showing just that exact scene. And it was, it's, it's really great when you can just focus like micro focus on these one bits. And it, it really does. It's impressive. Dude, that was your gift. I just like, Oh, is yeah. it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would never would have said that otherwise. <laughs> I, I've done a few. I forget. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was a good one. Yes. Thank you. Uh, but out of this spaceship emerged three very tall aliens who are drawn to sort of resemble the three wise men from the Bible. Only very tall with shades of blue and purple skin and wearing silvery robes. Two of them have very long white beards. And for no reason other than to give something cute for the kids watching, they have this pet of sorts. Did you know that the pet has a name? Yeah, I know now because I looked it up. I don't believe it was named directly in the special, but the magazine article you scanned calls it Jelly Bean. The magazine article, the the record player, and the storybook all call it Jelly Bean. Okay. And uh, apparently that was the going name. Uh, I, I have a little curiosity about that in that why an alien would know what a jelly bean is like why that word means anything to them given that they've got weird names themselves yeah. but whatever sure we'll go with it sure it, it looks like he sort of might be metallic he floats very fluidly a few feet off the ground but you know what jelly bean reminds me of what's that Think back to an old Pac-Man arcade cabinet. Do you remember how the side of it had a drawing of Pac-Man and he had the red eyes and the feet? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jellybean looks like that Pac-Man drawing without the feet and a tadpole tail instead. <laughs> well, maybe that's where it came from. Who maybe. knows? He does get feet later. It can change his shape. Yes. So. Well, how else can you tap dance when you're an alien robot? That's right. <laughs> So Jellybean finds Peter and Lucy, and Peter finds himself face-to-face with these three spacemen who are more than twice his own height. And he just says, Hi, I'm Peter. That's Lucy. (laughs) Oh, you probably don't even understand me, but yes, they do. Oh, yes. I love the effect, how the aliens are animated differently than everything else in this special. Mm -hmm. They move half-speed sort of thing. Yeah, they're not as fluid. They're sort of fading, slow flipbook effect when they mm-hmm. move. But then their mouths move and they sort of just stay open until they stop speaking. I thought it was a really neat decision to animate them that way. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone else animate aliens differently than the rest of a show. 
Yeah, that is pretty cool. Actually, I was uh, I had posted the picture of this or the album cover, I think, and I actually got a few people, friends around my own age as well, who um, remember it and remember being terrified by them. Oh, really? Yeah, which I meant to follow up with them and find out why exactly, but I think it was just that they were different and uh, I guess slow can be creepy, but... It could be. I can see how this could be disturbing to a very small child. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I, yeah. I'll, I'll have to follow up with them. <laughs> never occurred to me, and it was a very—it was a big shock when they said that because I thought, "Wow, that's a, a, okay, sure." Yeah, I'll have to test this out. Well, my kid's probably too old to be scared by it. My youngest is six, so. Oh, there you go. Maybe, but could be. But I think they've probably seen more. Yeah, <laughs> it was the seventies. We hadn't seen much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the voices of this trio we mentioned: Martin Lovato's Plutox. That's the shortest of the three. He's got a round, wrinkled face and blue skin. Our scientists have recently detected 2,000 years ago Earth time in the 79th Mervant, a transitory celestial phenomenon of the Merbundian class. Huh? There is Lexicon, who has purple skin and these spirally pink eyes that look like he's trying to hypnotize someone. I don't believe he's actually named in the special, is he? Oh, I don't know. I just found it. It might be from your materials that you had, but the name that they give him is Lexicon. Yeah, he's he's definitely that. And actually, uh, Nelvana put out a poster with them back Maybe in that. the day. Yeah, well, actually, they got them wrong. Oh, whoops. <laughs> uh, they, they reversed Plutox and Lexicon. But uh, this was back in the day where uh, the, the way they sold it was to sell a video cassette with the first four specials on it. So they put out a big poster with all the characters because they were wonderful and fanciful and all that stuff, but they got the names wrong on them, which was whoops, odd, but you know, okay. Happens. Yep, exactly. What Plutox is trying to say is that in the heavens visible to many worlds, there appeared for a brief time a great star. Lexicon's voice is Richard Davison. I don't know if he's related to Joey Davidson. Any idea? Not a clue. Not a clue. This is Richard M. Davidson. He's shown up on Law and Order five or six times. He had a small part as a detective in the movie The Hurricane with Denzel Washington. Now, when I looked on Wikipedia, they linked to the wrong Richard M. Davidson. <laughs> they How linked, many are there? <laughs> I don't know, but they linked to some Old Testament scholar, which, nah, dude, that's a different guy. Yeah, I don't think so. But I did find it funny that both the biblical scholar Davidson and the alien that is special are both very interested in the star of Bethlehem. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. Uh, and finally, the tallest of the three and the first to speak to Peter is, is it a mouther? A mouther? Uh, before you said that, I just, uh, a mouther. Yeah. I I believe that's how they pronounce it. He's got brownish and almost bronze complexion and glowing red eyes. We are equipped to identify, comprehend, and speak all languages known. Hello, how do you do? I am fine. This name got my attention because it's Duncan Regeer, who was Dracula in the Monster Squad. Right, yes. Okay, yes. I knew I knew that from somewhere, but didn't remember where. Yeah, I saw that name and I had to look it up. I'm like, I know that name. Oh, my goodness. It's Monster Squad Dracula. They went on to do a lot of things. That's good. Yeah. He was the new Zorro in the early 90s on the Family Channel. 
So they're here, of course, to find out what's up with the star they observed nearly 2,000 Earth years ago. And Peter tells them, you must mean the star of Bethlehem in Christmas. And they ask, what is Christmas? How do you measure it? <laughs> How indeed. <laughs> well, Peter, unlike almost everyone the wacky wall walkers met, leads with baby Jesus. <laughs> I did. That is kind of striking. There's, there's not nearly as many Christmas specials that you would think that just go out there with it, you know? No, not, I think the only one I can remember in recent memory that I've covered is Johnny Bravo, oddly enough. No, okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Sure, good company. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. It, is, it is a little, I mean, in, in reading about other things, it's, it's, it's kind of amusing, too, because uh, the director, Clive Smith, was uh, an avowed atheist as well, so... Oh, wow. Go figure. Well, Peter says, follow me. I'll show you Christmas. And what follows is a series of scenes that aren't quite loving, peaceful and caring. But Peter shows them the nativity scene in the store window. And the store owner closes up his shop, gets tangled in his own wreath and huffs off in anger. And the aliens ask, is this love, Peter? And then they go to the town hall and find the police chief being very uninterested in a surge of phone calls about a spaceship sighting, while the mayor's next to him just screaming, everybody keep calm! <laughs> that sticks with you forever. Yeah, and that's his bit for the rest of this special, just screaming, keep calm to everybody. But he's so good at it. I, oh, yeah. Little touches with him. Like, there's a point where they're, they're you know, going to, well, we'll get there, but he's going to, they're going to, they're counting to 10 before they come into the aliens. <laughs> yeah. He's like counting on his fingers. Like he just little touches that make him wonderful. Yes. See kids, politicians were always like this. <laughs> but any, I, has anybody ever compared uh, Diamond Joe Quimby and uh, Honest John Thimbley? Oh, <laughs> I, you know, I did think that while I was watching this. I'm like, this is like a coked up uh, Joe Quimby. <laughs> It's just they rhyme too well to be coincidence. I'm just it saying. could be. <laughs> oh, wait just a minute. Uh, with the mayor not wanting to cause panic, the chief decides they'd better go and check out this spaceship sighting themselves. And the aliens ask, is this peace, Peter? And next, we go to a rundown shack in the middle of a junkyard where we find Marvin and his pals are squatting and they try to laugh at their own misfortune. Well, Marvin's not, but his friends are all, what are you having for Christmas dinner? I'm having caviar and pheasant under glass. <laughs> I'm having foie gras and roast goose. And that gives Marvin an idea. Roast goose? Yeah, I wouldn't mind some of that. Another great close-up. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what he's thinking, but I'm too busy laughing at this switchblade comb like the paperboy from Better Off Dead. Two dollars. Yep. But I love what they do with the animation in that where his eye, like the hair isn't delineated. The eye appears behind the hair and in front of the hair at the same time. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird, I mean, they, it's just, they've done little artistic techniques, which maybe they work, maybe they don't. But uh, I love that they were trying things. Yeah. I see that every so often when you have a character whose hair is behind their eyes and it, it's hard to animate, I imagine. But. Yeah. Well, there's that, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easier to have clumpy hair because then it, it's really easy to make. No, but it works here. 
with the way that this it's a special kind of fluid that I can't really put my finger on, but mm-hmm. but it stands out to me and I like it. Me too. Well, Marvin doesn't see Peter or Lucy outside yet, but the aliens now ask, is this caring for others? And Lucy, who is a very smart goose, walks off with tears in her eyes as Jellybean follows her with a goofy grin on its face because the floating space tadpole doesn't understand she's upset. <laughs> I love the interplay between these two. I mean, it's crazy, but the, just if you watch, if you watch Jellybean the whole way through, even when uh, in a few minutes where Lucy's being captured, uh, Jellybean's still playing, doesn't understand what's going on. Like they've really flushed these characters out to a degree that probably doesn't deserve it. But that if you look for it, it's there. It's there in this pocket universe. Mm. And here's where he shapeshifts. He grows that pair of legs and starts dancing and he cheers up the goose. We gotta fill 25 minutes, make him dance or something. <laughs> it's a weird break, but I don't hate it. It, it, it is absolutely the oddest part of the whole thing, uh, but it's entertaining in its own way, but it's a question of where did it come from? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta wonder, where is this going? Are, are they trying to... Dance break. <laughs> no explanation. It just it just happens. Yeah. Here's one from mom and daddy. One grandma came to bring. One from Uncle Charlie and one from Burger King. It's the Burger King dog. This Christmas, your kids can have this colorful, cuddly Burger King doll free when you buy a book of 10 gift certificates for $5. Add an extra touch to Christmas with a gift from Burger King. From everyone at CBC Television, Coast to Coast, Season's Greetings. After that, Peter takes the aliens to one more place where he knows they will find Christmas, his house, where we find his parents and his grandmother. Isn't that thing finished yet, Granny? Almost, Walter. Be patient. You don't have to make things anymore, Grandma. You buy them. You don't buy Christmas, Martha. We talk about Dad's voice. That's Martin Lavotte again. But Mom is Patricia Moffat. I didn't recognize her name, but the one role that stood out to me was in Tommy Boy. <laughs> so do you remember Tommy, his first successful sale, the guarantee on the box guy? Wow. He shows up again later at home. He's watching TV with his wife, and his wife's like, look at this human bomb on the news. Oh, yeah, I bought brake pads from him. <laughs> Pat Moffat is the wife. Wow. It's five seconds, but she gets a credit for it, and it's on IMDb. This is the same one, so she's mom here. I think, I think this is the new Kevin Bacon game. Oh, yeah, there we go. People connected to A Cosmic Christmas. <laughs> Six degrees of A Cosmic Christmas. That'd be tricky, but Pat Moffat's probably the closest one who can get some good ones. There we go. Still fun, though. Yes. Uh, and Grandma is Jane Mallett, born in 1899. Wow. Had a celebrated radio and film career in Canada. And earlier in 1977, she was in Dan Aykroyd's first movie, Love at First Sight, which I haven't seen. Hmm. Never heard. But that is a neat bit of trivia. Yeah. But she is a cool grandma. Oh, yeah. I like her. And she's uh, she's painting. She's got all the stories. She's 
she's given some shade to these people buying their gifts. Uh, <laughs> and at one point, she even snowboards down the hill chasing uh, Marvin. So she does. I love that part. <laughs> Go, Grandma. I, watching it, I was kind of really confused. Like they're chasing Marvin, and all of a sudden, we're getting Grandma in the big coat, and I'm thinking she's just going to slow you down. But no, she beats them all. So yeah. I have high respect for a cool grandma. There you go. Absolutely. She's putting the finishing touches right now on a very impressive paper angel. And and Peter's mother tells her, you don't have to make decorations anymore. You buy them. All right, writers. We get it. (laughs) Subtle. (laughs) I was also surprised at their tree being just a small shelf decoration, which fine for anyone who wants to go that route, but. Peter's family lives on the outskirts of the main town in the middle of the woods. It's not like trees are hard to come by for them. Very good point. And their gifts swamp it. So there's obvious problems there for sure. They got a pile of firewood in the side of the house. So I don't know what's going on there. Besides, the writers are really trying to show us, look at how material Christmas has gotten. Well, I think it also goes to show how they've kind of given up on Christmas to the degree like grandma and and Peter are the ones who are holding it in their heart. And and dad and mom are kind of like, yeah, we're just kind of going with this. So I guess so. Like the adults are kind of jaded from it all now. But But yeah, if you live in the woods, I mean, you've got no excuse not to have a great tree. Yeah. And here's where Peter bursts in. Hey, guess what? We got company. I brought home strangers from out of town. And again, Cool grandma, my, my, men from Mars. Yeah. <laughs> she's fixing her hair. She's ready to go. She, this is, the, yeah, she's still in it. Parents are like, strangers, we told you never to talk to strangers. Grandma's like, come on in. <laughs> Dad's cut off by his own shock at the sight of said strangers who are several feet taller than even him. And again, they're animated differently. They move in blurs. And here's where I think it's Lexicon, the purple one, first explains. We are allowed only to observe. It's forbidden for us to interfere. Surely that won't come up later. (laughs) Somebody's been watching Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Peter very innocently explains they came for Christmas. And like you said, Grandma's the first adult to get over her shock and welcome them in. She leads them over to the fireplace to sit and warm up. And sends Peter and Lucille, along with Jellybean, apparently, outside to get more firewood, which he does. But what he doesn't see, that we, the audience, do, is Marvin peeking through the pile of firewood outside, staring at Lucy, who's playing around with Jellybean, as Peter brings the firewood back inside and shuts the door. But we're forced to forget about that for a while, because we're about to go into another song as Peter asks Grandma to tell the guests about what Christmas was like in the old days. She talks about making their own decorations and trimming a tree with popcorn, and the aliens go, you mean like this? (laughs) And as they make a Christmas tree and decorations materialize out of nowhere, we get another more traditionally festive song by Sylvia Tyson again called The Way Christmas Used to Be. Time rolls fast. And time rolled slow We had so much So long ago So long uh, I was actually going to just mention that um, the, the animation here and the pictures uh, They have a picture from this cell In the Nelvana 30 Years book That was put out many years ago oh, wow. um, And it's glorious color and detail And it... It's worth mentioning that we're all working from really 
faded, blurry versions, older versions of this uh, this special. That's never really, it's never gotten a DVD release. It's never gotten a Blu-ray release. Uh, the VHS releases are chopped. There's at oh. least five minutes missing from those. Oh wow! The uh, the YouTube version that's out there is also the version I believe that's on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay, and that's that's the best we've gotten, and it's still not great. It's not as good as it could be. So, because uh, it's a recording of a recording that someone happened to hold on to. Exactly. I, I would love if they put out a version of it, a real release of it. But yeah. uh, you know, the question is, does it even exist? Is right? Is it still around? You can still find actually all the cells for sale on eBay wow. regularly. Like uh, obviously, they were sold in bulk. And they pop up occasionally here and there. And uh, I've bought many of them over the years. And um, you just think it's it's a real shame that they're not collected somewhere. Because like I say, in, in 2027 is the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I would love it if they did something for it. I mean, this is what they built their whole careers on. Uh, we have something up here called uh, Heritage Minutes, which is just essentially a commercial, like an out, a minute-long commercial that we play in the CBC or whatever that tell of great parts of history and just little reminders of history for kids. And I would love it if they did one on cosmic Christmas and what it grew into. I'm probably the only one, but I'm, I'm still <laughs> pitching it. <laughs> I'm I would love pitching. to see something like that. Yeah. And I, you know, as, as 2027 approaches, I'm going to start trying to annoy in Alvana, but you know, who knows? It's, it's, I would love to see them celebrate it more because they really haven't. It's certainly not, to the degree that I think it deserves to be seen. Although that said, I just remembered that um, there was a showing in Toronto 2014 where they did, uh, uh, they do showings occasionally in Toronto still, and the director showed up to it. I oh, wasn't wow. there, unfortunately, but uh, uh, so it is, it is still cult celebrated, but it would be nice. If it was more uh, um, on a large scale celebrated. Yeah. Well, here's hoping. Yeah, Exactly. I do like this song. I'm sad this special wasn't more popular or this song could have been remembered more fondly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our job here today is to tell people to go look for it. There you, know? you go. This is a very cozy song. This is the one that will fit on any Christmas playlist. If the first one isn't Christmassy enough for you, this one definitely is. Mm-hmm. But I'm more impressed that these aliens took grandma's very vague description of what a Christmas tree <laughs> is making her own decorations and stringing popcorn, and they materialize a string of popcorn. Considering five minutes ago, they never knew what Christmas was. So they're really doing well. No, they make popcorn out of nowhere, a bunch of candy canes, a set of flying angels like her papercraft, dancing gingerbread men. Yeah, exactly. Very decent facsimile of a Christmas tree. It's short and squat and almost spherical, but it's clearly of the pine persuasion. So Mm -hmm. I'm impressed. Yep. One of the gingerbread men pops out of Peter's dad's pipe. That's gross. (laughs) But she keeps going and it's Plutox making all of these things appear. And he's glowing red as he makes this happen. I was concerned for him there that, uh, you know, he was going to light something on fire. Yeah, it looked like he was about to overheat. He was those old car uh, cigarette lighters. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We're in the 70s now, so. (laughs) Ask your parents, kids. There we go. Also here, there's this rabbit Peter and Lucy walked past outside a bit before I forgot to mention because I forgot he'd show up later, but he kind of materializes along with some pine fur that gets placed along the fireplace mantle. And he's freaked out a bit to find himself in a new place instantaneously. 
He is the weirdest supporting character ever. Yeah, he he's kind of here for quick comic relief, but but not funny enough. No, not funny enough and for no reason. Yeah. And he shows up again at the end. So yeah. go figure. Maybe they're not making these things appear out of thin air. Maybe they're just transporting them from nearby. I don't know. That would make sense. That would be the only reason he would show up on the mantelpiece. But yeah. I, and that could be the only reason they have. Someone's missing all of their Christmas tree stuff and their popcorn strings. <laughs> Very confused family somewhere. Yes. Some house <laughs> just made popcorn for a movie and they turn around and the bowl's empty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Then she talks about, oh, my mother would spend days in the kitchen making food for everybody, and poof, a full table of food now appears. And someone just lost their entire spread somewhere nearby. Or, hear me out, is he reading Grandma's brainwave somehow and making these things from her memory? That's where I thought ahead of the stealing from somebody else, because why would, he, why would him being interrupted then send it back to another place? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's right. astral projection. Could, Could be. be. Bringing them back past through the sands of time. This is this is clearly not what I put my energy into thinking about, but no, now I will. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking too fourth dimensionally. It's a habit of mine. It's it's probably better than me obsessing over three versus four fingers. So we're <laughs> <laughs> But it's a very cozy Christmas setup, and now that's suddenly interrupted by a terrified squawk from Lucy outside as Marvin steals the goose and rides away on his bike. Can we talk about this bike for a second? It's pretty awesome. It's got the tallest handlebars I have ever seen on a bike. <laughs> Maybe it's just slouching extra. Could be. It's like a very exaggerated low rider. <laughs> it's got the little pom-poms like Pee Wee Herman's bike. Any uh, playing cards in the spokes? I didn't I didn't see that. Oh, no, I don't think they. Too much snow. Too much Yeah. Snow. It might be too early for those little things that would go up and down the spokes that you would kind of put on their little oh, plastic right. yeah, pieces. Yeah, yeah, those things. Yeah. It might have been too early for this. I don't know if they were around. <laughs> That's nice. Peter starts running after Marvin. His parents run after him. Here's where Grandma puts on her coat and runs out too and starts snowboarding down the hill. <laughs> they just leave the aliens at the house. You see their silhouettes just standing outside of the bottom of the hill like, well, bye, everybody. I love that little touch too, though. Like it's there's so many layers of you can see the foreground, the middle ground, the background. And it's like, oh yeah, they're there too. Okay, they're there. Yes. Yeah. Jelly Bean's kind of racing after Marvin too, but he's got, like you said, he's got this smile on his face the entire time. He has no idea Lucy's in danger. He thinks they're playing. Yeah, we let's have a race. I want to be on that bike too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, we cut to the police chief, the mayor, and a crowd of other townies that have located the giant magic eight ball spaceship. And the crowd looks to be an interesting mix of frightened, annoyed, and mildly intrigued. Yes. Someone brought a rolling pin, <laughs> you know, for making I, Christmas cookies. I love that there's a hockey stick in there. It's a nice touch. That's what you grab. <laughs> I, well, there's also a guy with a, uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, um, that thing that in cartoons you do for flies uh, you you pump and it. Uh, oh, you, the, yeah. <laughs> the um, cloud of, of yeah. gases or whatever mm -hmm. it is. I have no idea what that's called, but neither do essentially I. they did grab whatever was the closest to them at the time. Yep. There's a pitchfork because there's always a pitchfork. <laughs> Chiefs on the megaphone. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to come out here. With the, the mayor, mayor counting on his fingers. Awesome. Yes. Keep calm. 
<laughs> and in the middle of their counting, Marvin comes cycling through the crowd, followed by Peter and then his dad, who shouts, Stop, thief! <laughs> Which gets the chief's attention. So the chief now joins the chase, and he puts a little police light on his head like a little beanie. Awesome. I need one of those. Those are cool. Yeah, I don't know why I got such a kick out of that. Maybe because I thought he looks like Inspector Gadget. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's true. Everybody's joined the chase now. There's And now there's thunder as the snowstorm picks up. And Marvin and Lucy are sent flying off the bike into a frozen pond and through the ice. That uh, actually is the, the record labels it as Chippewa Lake. Chippewa Lake. Is that a real location? Uh, it is not in this actually. Well, it is in Ohio. Oh. I, I, I did actually watch the whole special through trying to determine where it was, whether it was Canadian, whether it was American, whatever it was. I, I didn't come to a clear conclusion, except that it certainly seemed more Canadian. I was going to say it's definitely not Ohio. This clearly has a Canadian footprint on it, or at least how I recognize it. it but it wasn't overt. Uh, in the in the arguments I found for Canadianism, I found the hockey stick. I thought the shop owner sort of swearing to himself sounded vaguely French. Oh, um, there wasn't there wasn't anything hugely, but you know it, it's a made up location, and that's what yeah. Canadians do: is you make it saleable, you uh, you don't tie it to a place, you make it so that everybody can make it their own. Okay. Well, Lucy flies out of the. Uh New hole in the ice, no problem. But Marvin is clearly struggling, and Peter's the only one who's caught up with them. So without thinking, he carefully walks out to the cracking ice to save him. It's it's disco pants that keep him weighted down. Oh, no. See? <laughs> Those stars are heavy. Terrible price of fashion. Yeah, exactly. Jellybean's just flying around. Hey, what you doing? And so much thunder. It's the Castle Thunder set. If you're familiar with sound effect libraries, or even if you're not, chances are very good that you've heard this exact crack of thunder somewhere else before. (laughs) Perhaps striking a clock tower, for example. I love the animation on it, though. The, uh, I mean, it is over the top, but it's wonderfully over the top. Yes. It it really sets the mood that everyone's in danger. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jeff, the look of terror on Peter's face during that very long pause before Marvin mm. reaches his hand up out of the water really shook me. Mm. It, it it does strike me as quite, kind of terrifying for kids. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to see that look in my nightmares. It's a <laughs> long pause for us watching. Mm-hmm. If that happened in real life, it would have felt like an eternity. Yes. This is very heavy stuff for our fun teach the aliens about Christmas story. And they've already been spending the whole time here. Is this love? (laughs) Well, Peter does manage to grab Marvin's hand, but as he slides down into the frigid water with him, despite Lucy's best efforts. So now they're both in there. Jellybean blows himself up into a ball shape and floats trying to get Peter to grab onto him, but it doesn't work. And now the adults are all here, including the mayor, very far back, still screaming, keep calm from a safe distance. But heck with him. He won't get on the water. He won't get no. on the ice. It's nope. a, a lovely touch. He's he's so scared, he won't even step on the, any of the lake. Yes, that was very noticeable here. Mm. 
the rest of the group starts to carefully form a human chain and try to reach the kids, but it's not long enough. So dad calls out to the three aliens just standing and watching and observing from the top of the hill. And remember what they said, they can't interfere. First, they're like, he said, help. What is help? Is help the meaning of Christmas? So they essentially, they know all the English language except help and Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They look up what help means, and then Amalther decides he's going to go join the chain. And it's a very short argument that I always misremember as being longer. Mm. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not really waiting around for details. It's just basically, you shouldn't do that. Let's do it. You know we cannot interfere. Yes, but it's time we learned about Christmas. We better hurry. I hope Galax Centro isn't monitoring this sector. And Lexicons has a passing comment saying, I hope Galax Centro isn't monitoring this sector. And they join the chain and pull the kids to safety. Okay, great. But wait, I want to learn more about what is Galax Centro. <laughs> well, that's why they needed to do the series. Yeah. It sounds at first like Galaxy and Central, but after rewinding a few times, he's saying Galax Centro, like it's some other tall space dude out there monitoring the space airwaves. I really love it when specials and TV shows just they don't overexplain. They just throw these things out there and go, yeah, that's what that is. Yep. So I, yeah, I did the same thing. I backed over it several times. And like, yeah, that's not a real word. No, they're but, talking about some other guy. <laughs> I, I interpreted it as like a central agency of the galaxy. Oh, there we go. But you know, I'm just yeah. bringing whatever I'm bringing to it. So, yep. That's, that's work. That's their job. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So Peter gets wrapped up in a warm coat and Marvin's just sitting there dripping wet in his own clothes. And the townies immediately turn to him like, what about him? He ought to be ashamed of himself. He ought to be in jail. Jail? The kid almost drowned. (laughs) I hate everybody in this town. (laughs) I can't argue with that. But uh, I I do want to point out, did, did you recognize the voice? He ought to be ashamed of himself stealing that goose. And on Christmas Eve. No, I did not. So the the one who says he ought to be ashamed of himself stealing that goose on and on Christmas Eve too, uh, that is actually uh, her name's Marion Waldman and she is Mrs. Mack from Black Christmas. Wow! Black Christmas, Cosmic Christmas. <laughs> what Peanut a jump! And jelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as funny as how uh, Olivia Hussey went from that to playing Mary in Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> Quite the career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, Steve Martin allegedly did tell her when presenting at the uh, the Oscars that uh, uh, she was in his favorite movie and she assumed it was Romeo and Juliet. And he said, no, uh, Black Christmas. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that sounds about Steve Martin. Yep. <laughs> that works. Uh, and I'd also like to just point out that when they do the scene, they show the uh, group of townspeople. Uh, there is a, a person of color in there. And I don't mean like purple or one of the others are right. but uh, there's there's an actual uh, person of color in there which i thought was an interesting uh tidbit yeah you start to see this around the 70s uh, in rankin bass they start popping in to show a little more diversity so <laughs> this is about that time frame where animators are deciding we really need to make it look like humans live in this town and it's not just whitewashed all the time right yeah kind of cool And they're not token either. They're just, these are people in the town, which is great. 
And yeah, it really had to look for it. It wasn't like, here's an insert shot that we've dropped in to make it look like something. Yeah, right. Uh, and now it takes one of the aliens to speak up. Wait, there is something we do not understand. Why did he steal the goose? And the townspeople are all, because he's mean, because he's no good. And Grandma finally pipes up, maybe he was hungry. She's putting them all in their place. Yeah. Good for her. And the aliens still don't understand. How could someone go hungry if this is Christmas? And there it is. I love that the townspeople all look guilty then. They all just, you know, <laughs> oops, we yeah. forgot what Christmas was about. Right. We were so busy worrying about ourselves that we forgot about other people. This is the realest Christmas special I've done in a while. <laughs> and all that proves is Granny's right. Mm. Don't mess with Granny. Nope. <laughs> Peter then asks Marvin if he wants to spend Christmas with his family. And his mom immediately seconds the idea, followed by everyone else who were just yelling at him, now willing to share what they have. We got loads of extra turkey and decorations. And so everyone ends up at Peter's house for a Christmas feast. Everyone, including the rabbit, including the rabbit. <laughs> he knows a good meal's coming. There you go. Uh, and the rest of Marvin's gang who make a big, tall Dagwood sandwich only for Santa Joe to come and show up and help himself to it. Help the unfortunate. Awesome. Granny gives her paper angel to Peter to give to the aliens. And the girl from Marvin's gang asks the police chief to see his badge, which he passes to Marvin, who kind of fakes and pocket it before. Ah, just kidding. Gives it to Peter, who tops the tree with it. And they're playing 12 Days of Christmas in the background. I thought that was an, an, an interesting little touch that it was, there was actual other Christmas music in there. Yeah, and it's... It's kind of like a futuristic sounding one. They got that, that, I don't know if it's an organ or a Moog keyboard or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah it's not your traditional, but it was, I, I, I thought it was interesting that there was other traditional music in there. Yeah. We get the mayor vowing to never let anyone in town go hungry again. And finally, Peter and Marvin head outside as they watch the aliens blast off in a burst of light that leaves behind this really fantastic pattern of light shaped like an angel. And we're out. Uh, and can I just add that uh, when the mayor is bursting with excitement as everything's going well and they're taking off, he, he leans over onto Snurk and it's just cute little you know moment between the two of them. And Snurk, a single tear goes down his face. Yeah. Just the little touches. Love them. They're great. He's got a heart of gold. This is the one who let everybody have the night off for Christmas. So yeah, there he's you go. just gruff soft. on the outside, but big old, he's soft. a big old softy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this was a really touching little pocket universe. This special gave us, and I'm very glad it made such an impact to you and a few others who have gone out to preserve it as best as they can. So thank you, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for enjoying it with me and letting me ramble on about some of the many stories that uh, bring to mind. Uh, just just one other thing that we, we it's worth quoting Sylvia sure. Tyson's song at the end there. It's, again, re reprise of the song. For this old world is a tiny place. I can raise my eyes and fly through space. And there are more like me. They see what I see. We can all look to the stars. Yes. Do you have any other thoughts? Like, please ramble away. Uh, 
Sure. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention that, that <laughs> you're so good at doing the synopsis and stuff. Sometimes I get enthralled with it, but um, I just I wanted to mention first of all the uh, the Wikipedia uh, no the IMDb um, page is is incorrect on the premiere date. Oh, uh, it actually premiered in Canada on the sixth. On the sixth. Okay. Yes. So it was on IMDb. It's the fourth, but it played on a Tuesday here, and it's syndicated in the U.S. The seventh on, depending on what, what markets it played in. Okay, huh. but I know that's pretty pretty minor. But uh, I think the big the big part that we didn't mention yet was the fact that it's based, well, very very loosely based on a true story. Oh, so the three people that made Nelvana, the director Clive Smith, uh, Michael Hirsch, and Patrick uh, Lubert. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Lubert and his girlfriend were both awakened at three in the morning in 1975, uh, seeing a UFO. Really? Two blinking uh, rings of light, <laughs> which they were living in uh, on Toronto Island at the time. And uh, so they were looking at over Lake Ontario. Uh, there's disputes on the specific details, which I'm sure happens over 50 years. But the funny thing is that 180 calls were made to a UFO hotline to report that particular incident. Wow. And I think the weirdest takeaway from that is that there's a UFO hotline. <laughs> yeah. But it was something that was uh, big news at the time, I guess. And so that story stuck with him. And that's what percolated into uh, this particular story. Wow. I wonder why I hadn't read that. I must have just glossed over it. I, I think there's some element of uh, embellishment there. I think I've read I've read versions of it where the girlfriend definitely saw it and he possibly saw it or saw part of it or he raced outside and didn't catch it there. Uh, But I have no doubt that it was a real thing that they believe they saw and uh, whether he was involved. Who knows? But anyway, that's that's at least where they're uh, they took their initial inspiration, according to them. So. That makes sense. And a lot of us think of like a lot of people looking back on Star Wars think that was the explosion of the the space motif. But it was really part and parcel of the 70s and uh, things that were going on. So this Mm -hmm. this fit right into it. And then this happened to come out in 77, which timed it quite well with Star Wars. And then. Yeah. And then they managed to be there in the right place and impressed George and got onto the. The worst of the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best part of the worst of the Star Wars. There you go. We'll take that. Uh, so you can watch this special on YouTube. It's up in some official remastered as best as it possibly can fashion there. And there are some unofficial recordings of that floating around that include the original credits and some scenes that were cut for time in later airings. Piece it all together and you can experience all of a cosmic Christmas the way God and Nelvana intended. <laughs> and one other quick point, which sure. really, um, the French release of it oh. uh, is actually translates to the three Magi of the cosmos. I don't I think I like that title better. <laughs> it's a lot more specific, but it ties you into a specific uh, interpretation. But fair enough. Yeah, well, and you definitely see that those three characters were absolutely, that's where the inspiration is. Without a a doubt, without a question, for sure. Sure. Yeah. 
Well, Jeff, if people want to land their giant magic eight ball spaceship in your backyard, <laughs> where can they find you on the Internet? I think the easiest place to find me is on Twitter at Chris CHR specials, Christmas specials. Uh, or you can head over to name that Christmas special dot com where I just basically at this point has become a place where I post a Chris, uh, cosmic Christmas uh, things that I've found and uh, think need to be shared. Yes. And for that, I'm very grateful. Thank you again, Jeff. It's an honor and a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, I put a bunch of links in the show notes to all the places Jeff mentioned and all the other tangents we went on. You can find those at adventcalendar.house and on Twitter at adventcalhouse. Tune in next time in a couple days for yet another strange being from parts unknown learning about Christmas. Until then, for Jeff Fox, from the top of an oddly round but otherwise accurate Christmas tree, this is Mike Westfall saying, if this special hasn't taught you to watch out for the icy patch, man, I don't know what to tell you. Good night! See what I see We all can look to the stars And now, these messages I know you You're tired of the same old joy of human compassion Overflowing generosity And quaint, totally anxiety-free coziness of the holidays You need Christmas to get a little bit weird I'm Craig Kringle, and I've got you covered. On the Weird Christmas Podcast, I talk to a never-ending garland of writers, historians, filmmakers, and rampant weirdos who do their best to make sure we don't forget just how beautifully odd this holiday can be. We cover everything from Krampus to Christmas werewolves, the real winter elves like the Scandinavian Tomten and Nissa, to Iceland's 13 Yule Lads. And every year, we share a good old traditional Christmas ghost story to keep things festive. I also host an annual flash fiction contest, so we don't have to read Dickens again. So if you're a real traditionalist who wants Christmas to get back to its roots of creepy monsters, acknowledging the frozen, lifeless heart of winter, and eating animal heads, come over to the Weird Christmas Podcast. Or check out weirdchristmas.com and all the surreal vintage postcards I share on social media. So Merry Christmas, and here's hoping Krampus doesn't whip you off to wherever he's from. Next time on the Advent Calendar House...